It is Sunday evening, the 3rd of May. Summer is here, lads. It's, it's another bank holiday weekend here in the Republic of Ireland. Uh, just a few days away from a, a bank holiday in, in Joe's neck of the woods, I believe. I'm one of your hosts here on this edition of the Chair Shop Podcast, Barry Murphy. Joined, as always, by my ever dependable co-hosts. First of all, Joe Tower. Hi there, Barry. And also, Paul Griffin. Hi there, Barry. And hi, Joe. Hi, Paul. Uh, lads, how are we feeling this week? We enjoying the uh, the nice weather in whatever limited capacity we can. Have we have we gone for walks? Have we been sunbathing? What's the uh, what's the week entailed for you uh, uh, this week? Uh, so the weather here has mainly been shy this week. Oh, really? It's been, yeah, it's been grey a lot of the week, uh, which has been really depressing. Like, I don't mind sitting inside if it's sunny outside. That's not even that bad. But when you're locked inside, it is grey outside as well. Oh, depressing. So yeah, very, very slow, very dull week this week. More so than usual. Well, we had a lovely uh, weekend here on the east coast of Ireland. Uh, 15 degrees, I think it was, but it felt like 20, 25. Mm. We had the barbecue out. Saturday and Sunday. Although I didn't have much of a barbecue Saturday. <laughs> I didn't realize the barbecue was going to happen on Saturday, right? So I went downstairs at about two o'clock in the afternoon, starving. And I said, okay, I need to look for a, a snack here that's not too bad for me. But that's going to fill me up quick because I don't want to cook either. So I said, okay, cereal is the perfect middle ground. Rice Krispies specifically. So I got the cereal down, had about four bowls of Rice Krispies. And then like half an hour later, people are like, right, we're getting the barbecue out. I was like, oh, well, I'm all full now. So I only had a burger. Mm. I was a good boy. Uh, And then today, burger, steak, a lot of it. Oh, it's great. Um, It's lovely when the weather is out. When the weather is out. When, when is the weather not out? It's lovely when the weather is nice out. Yeah. And you can get the barbecue out and just sit in the back garden all day. Oh, it was great. And um, we have we still have the little dog with us, obviously. And we're, we're feeding him bits of steak and he's loving it. And oh, happy days. Happy days all around. That's good. How about you, Joe? Yeah. I suppose, Joe, you can't, you're not doing too much with the miserable weather. Shite, just uh, didn't do anything. Yeah, um, I think we did do. Went for a walk. That's it. Do that once a day. I'll enjoy that. Yeah. I went for a walk as well. I'm trying to get back into the the walking a little bit. Um, not too far. Although the Irish government in two weeks are extending the walk perimeter to like five kilometers. Mm. I wouldn't even go five kilometers outside where I live if there wasn't a virus. Yeah, that's actually so. yeah, that's actually coming into effect on Tuesday. Um, there you go. Uh, so yeah, we had we had an update like on Friday where it was like uh, we're extending everything, but you can walk a little bit further from your house on your exercise. But who's I don't know. I don't. I can't even be asked trying to break all that stuff down. But uh, yeah, I've also gotten into the habit of walking basically every day. Um, because I've for for most of my like adult life, I've I've done a decent amount of walking anyway, just by not having a car. 
Like I would bus to and from college and work, but I the, the buses were not you know stopping outside my door. I was always doing plenty of of walking, and now that's gone. Um, so. Yeah, you know, I tried this week to go take some different routes. I mean, I'm quite lucky. I live by the, the waterfront, which is nice, but you can only walk up and down that stretch of land so many times. Um, so this weekend, I went some other routes, and it was nice. I'm going to try and keep it up uh, on the weekends when, when normality resumes. Just see a bit of the city that's not just the same kind of spots I always go to. You know, I, 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 I'm kind of glad I'm, I'm doing it. But uh, other than that, a, a, a typical yeah. a typical week here. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to get back to uh, to walking because you know I used to do my ten thousand steps every day. I obviously famously did that in my house a few weeks ago, but since then I haven't really been doing any walking. But um, I'm going down as far as the local supermarket and back, but yeah. taking taking a long scenic way to get there, where I'm gonna avoid the most uh, amount of people as possible. So I'm going down by by the uh, by the river, which is a nice nature walk anyway. And uh, then you just come out opposite the shop, which is nice. So uh, yeah, it's nice to get walking again. My feet aren't quite used to it. And my knee, I had a very bad day with my knee yesterday because I was also fucking around out the back garden with my brother kicking footballs around like a wee lad. And then I had to put DP on my knee when I get in. It was all fucked up. But uh, all right now. He was all right today. He's had a bath. <laughs> my, knee, my knee was so sore. I was like, all right, I need to have a bath. To soak this. What are you a so- your Premier League footballer? What? <laughs> Get the Epsom salts out. <laughs> no, I don't have any of those. It's, it's, it's a bubble bath. Sit in the bubble bath and watch TV on my tablet, hmm. which sits precariously on the toilet. That's something I used to even do. Back when we started our podcast, back in 2010, when I was, when I was living in France, uh, that was something I do a lot: is have baths. And I, I didn't obviously have a tablet at the time; I had my um, my laptop. I put the laptop on the toilet and sit in the bath for like an hour and a half, <laughs> just <laughs> just watch TV. <laughs> so I still enjoy that. I still get a kick out of that. I've uh, I've taken to having baths these past few weeks, actually. Um, yeah, it's very very nice. The only thing is, I end up spending about an hour in there. Yeah, like, <laughs> compared to having a shower, because you just get in. It's, it's a lovely bath. You just want a nice soak. Yeah, um, and then you still have to actually wash yourself afterwards. So that's the problem. I find that and this is spoiling Telly Guff a little bit, but like an episode of Inside Number Nine is like the perfect bath length. Because just when the water starts going a little bit cold, then the episode ends and you get out of the bath and sleep. Interesting. Yeah. It's like the idea of you panicking when the credits hit. Oh my god! Soon enough, I'll be cold. <laughs> That's the twist. The bath is the water goes cold at the end. Well, now that you've mentioned it, uh, why don't we jump into the old uh, uh, telly guff? You've been watching more Inside Number Nine. I have. Uh, I finished season four. Mm-hmm. Uh, really good episode towards the end. Um, they do kind of a, a monkey's paw episode, which nice. sounds like it's you, you kind of know where it's going, but they have some little clever uh, take on it. Like it is ultimately uh, their version of the monkey's paw, but it's done. It's done in a clever way, and 
especially I like the ending especially it had a kind of uh, an ending reminiscent of of the mist without giving too much away yeah um and there was another really good one uh surprisingly dark now I know that this show has some episodes which are a little bit on the dark side yeah but it's always it's always got a little bit of um levity to it because it is at its at its core kind of a dark comedy oh and there was one certainly, certainly there was one with uh it was uh, like a, a renewal of vows themed it had like a really really dark mm-hmm. twist to it and i was like jesus christ that was a bit much yeah. Um, and then it almost undid it a little bit. I thought the f- the very very end of it was a little a little silly mm-hmm. for how serious the twist was uh, initially. Um, I watched also the standalone Halloween special. Oh yeah, which I which I thought was great, but I also feel like I missed out by not seeing it at the time. Yes, because it's 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 super super clever, but it it does lose something watching it. Um after the fact not only after the fact but knowing kind of about it because that was um that was my first exposure to inside number nine even though i've heard you talk about it i heard yeah. other people talk about it the first time i heard about it was oh inside number nine was that halloween special and everyone's going crazy about it uh so to finally watch it i i, I get what the hype was about and it's certainly one of the best episodes of the series yeah but i can only imagine what it would have been like watching it at the time as well Oh, it was great. Because I actually, I didn't watch it live, but I did record it on the TV, yeah. on the DVR, so I was kind of watching it as live, which gave very similar effect. Yeah, that would have worked as well, I think. I think that would have... Yeah. But, like, there's little clever things they do that you can you can kind of see the mechanics behind them, like when they're looking at the TV of themselves yeah, uh, and sending the tweet out and stuff. I thought it was really clever. Um, and then I also watched the first episode of Season 5, hmm. which was the... Referees a wanker episode, oh, yeah. which I thought was great. I thought it was really strong. It was, it was good. Not one of my it favorite. might be because I missed the football a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but I, I really liked. It. I liked the direction it went in. Mm. Um, even if it it kind of wasn't the most insidey number nine episode, like it didn't quite feel like an episode of the same series. Partially because I guess. The lead actor isn't one of the two guys, which usually it is. Yes. Yeah. But I kind of like, I really liked it nonetheless. I guess I was, I was, I had heard that it wasn't so great, so maybe I went in with a little bit lower expectations. But I really, mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. So I've only got five left, then I'm all caught up. Um, but yeah, I think season four was uh, surprisingly strong. Um, usually. With these kind of series, especially anthology series, by the time they get to season four, they start kind of running on fumes, running out of ideas. But I thought season four was really, really strong, really, really good. So thumbs up. Uh, how are you getting on with Inside Number Nine, Barry? I haven't watched any yet, uh, or any further to what, ah! I, what I previously said. I think that's the right. thing, I think think that's the thing about it being uh, so so being you know uh, an anthology is I can just. It's kind of whenever I'm in the mood for that particular kind of humor, yeah. I can just jump back in. So I'm not I'm not kind of burning my way through it. When you're um, in the bath, when I'm in the bath, you know what I mean. Yeah. When, I, when I'm scrubbing the toes. Um, yeah. But yeah, I have not uh, I've not watched any this week. Uh, but yeah, uh, what else are you watching this week? Uh, well, we watched a new episode of RuPaul's Drag Race, and also a new series which started called RuPaul's Secret Celebrity Drag Race, 
which is also on Netflix, uh, UK Netflix. The Secret Celebrity Drag Race is quite funny because it's... Whereas, whereas RuPaul's Drag Race is a series-long competition akin to things like MasterChef and uh, <laughs> NXT back in the day, um, Secret Celebrity Drag Race, each episode is standalone with three quote-unquote celebrities on it. Okay. Um, so far, I've watched two episodes, and I knew one out of the six celebrities. The other five I have never heard of. Although there was some bloke off um, Riverdale on it. So you, you'd heard of the thing he was on, at the very least. I, I, I had no idea who, who he was, but I heard of that. And um, the first episode was really good, and the second one was kind of less so. Um, first episode was really funny, because they had a comedian on who did like really funny Kevin Hart impressions and dressed up as like a woman Kevin Hart, which mm. is real funny. And then there was also real like emotional bits to it where one of the people like their mother had passed away and when they dragged the guy up uh he turned around and like they showed a picture of his mother he looked really like his mother so it was almost like getting to see his his mother one last time through himself you know and uh first episode was really really strong really really good and the second episode was just very bleh uh so I think they're only doing four four episodes of that. It's only like a little mini series, and then the main drag race series itself is also coming to an end in like t- three weeks. So then there'll be no more RuPaul um, until the next series starts. So what we're doing after that is, or let's say, in the in the immediate future, is we're going to finish the current season of Grey's Anatomy we're on, season three. Hmm. Then we're going to finish the series of Lost, which we're currently on, which is season three as well. And then I'm going to watch for the first time, although I've watched like a couple of episodes, but I've never watched a series through, uh, Twin Peaks. Oh! So I'm real looking forward to that. Crap, you keep. Is there anything else I watched this week? No, Inside Number 9, as I mentioned, and RuPaul. That's kind of, I don't think I watched anything else. Uh, what about you, Joe? You caught up on The Last Dance? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been watching a lot of TV. Um, for some reason, I'm not in the just haven't been in the mood to watch movies at all. No, me neither. Right. I don't know what it is if it's just having lots of episodes to know that you can kind of continue watching for hours and hours on end. But yeah, I've watched a lot of TV. Um, yeah, watch the first episode of Last, Last Dance, the uh, Chicago Bulls documentary. Um, it was very, very interesting, kind of seeing lots of behind-the-scenes footage of uh, Michael Jordan. Um, obviously, kind of, you know, grew up being aware, as I'm sure most people were, of Michael Jordan as this, you know, transcendental athlete who was, you know, the great, great sportsman of the time, of all time. Um, but obviously didn't really know much about basketball when I was, uh, when I was younger. Um, so it was interesting to see him, you know him play and, and see lots of footage of him and kind of follow the team's fortune. So uh, yeah, enjoying that. Looking forward to seeing more about the other players as well, like Rod Rodman and Scottie Pippen. So that was fun. Um, also been watching a lot of a TLC reality show called Ninety Day Fiance. Ah yes. Um, now Michelle's a big fan of the show, going back a while, and I've gradually kind of got into it as well. Mm. Um. So it's a weird show. There are quite a few different versions of this show, and we've seen we tend to watch random episodes of it. 
because uh, there's it's essentially the, the point is it's 90 day fiance so what that means is it's people from abroad spending the 90 days you're allowed to spend in the US uh, with their partner that they're with online essentially so 90 day fiance and they kind of see if it works out and if they want to get married and move over uh, they also do before the 90 days which is where the Americans go to the other country just to spend it with them and then there's also a version that's kind of like Gogglebox where they get older contestants to watch footage of the new contestants and kind of, you know, do the commentary oh, wow. and jokes about it as well, which we've been watching recently. So I don't, there's this whole like 90 day fiance universe out there that I'm only <laughs> You know, it's like getting into fucking Spider-Man. There's all these different variations and this whole kind of you know, universe out there. Um, but what we discovered is they've got the kind of box sets on, on BT TV uh, so it's like, right. I think it's like 10 seasons. So we've been, we've been working our way through them. And it is, as you expect, it's not like a normal documentary where about people who happen to live, you know, miles apart and carry on a relationship online. It is mainly people getting worked by people in other countries who are clearly just trying to get a green card or are clearly interested in their money. It will be like a 55-year-old, right. you know, twice-divorced dad uh, who's been speaking to a 21-year-old Filipino girl for two months and now he wants to marry her. Um, that's very much the theme of it. Uh, there's occasionally kind of like a, what I call like a proper relationship or seemingly kind of more legit, but it is mainly freak shows with huge age gaps or clearly something not quite right. Uh, but it is also very addictive. And then the way they cut it is it's classic kind of reality TV. So uh, been, enjoy- been enjoying that. That's... So that's kind of a good watch if you really want to scrape the bottom of the barrel. Well, have you? Are you going to check out *Labor of Love*? What the fuck is that? Is the new, which is the new Fox reality show? It's akin to like *The Bachelor*, but it's it's a woman. It's a woman who's looking for like a man to be the father of oh, her child. Like she doesn't God. have a child. She's looking for a daddy, oh. and. Everyone's favorite Lucha Underground commentator, Matt Stryker, is one of the men on it. Oh, oh no. my god! I would, un- I rather, I would genuinely rather kill myself. I think <laughs> that sounds awful. Yeah, um, I love watching this. Well, the other show I, I'm still watching is The Soup. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm watching from uh, 2009's uh, August episodes at the moment, so I'm two years into it. Or at least two years into the episodes that I have. I think the show started in 2004 or something. Um, and I love when they're on about like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette and the shows of that nature. Because they're so like, oh, that relationship didn't work out of these this this man who, who met 30 women over the course of a month <laughs> and a half. And married one of them and... <laughs> Yeah. It didn't work out. Crazy. Oh. Yeah, I can't wait for all the in in five years time all the deep dives on like uh, this couple who met on Netflix is too hot to handle. Uh, it doesn't seem like it worked out for them. It's like oh, you're joking. You're absolutely joking. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so other than that, I also just finished uh, rewatching Ashes to Ashes, which was the follow up to uh, Life on Mars, the show where policeman goes back in time to the 70s or does he is he dreaming we don't know um so that was that was set in the 80s and really kind of interesting show because it's a very kind of silly 
nostalgic police procedural, but then it's also got this very kind of high concept element uh, running under it. So that was really good. And also been watching Jonathan Creek, one of my all-time favourite shows, which is now getting older and older. And it's so dated. It's like nearly 25 years old now. Um, this is really wild. Yeah, it was kind of mid-96, 97, I think it started. Um, so it's getting on. <laughs> you kind of... I have these sort of favourite shows that I continue to rewatch year after year, but you can just feel them getting older and older. Mm. <laughs> like, as I do, as I get older, they also seem to get older. Yeah. So, but still really, really enjoy it. Well, speaking of favourite shows, uh, one of my favourite shows had one of its cast uh, pass away there the other day. Uh, Ted, the lawyer from Scrubs. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. Which I was very sad to hear about. I, I love Scrubs, and uh, I really need to start listening to that podcast that um, Zach Braff, yes, and Face on, yeah. have been doing. Yeah. I'm interested to check that out because I I do love Scrubs, and I've watched through the entire series nearly like three times. I absolutely adore it. I think it's so creative in its mm. comedy. Oh wow! Even though it's, even though it's dumb, and even though it's kind of by the numbers, they they do. Get... That was one of those first series before kind of Dan Harmon with Community and Rick and Morty took took like a classic sitcom to a more kind of surreal place. Yeah. And I really I really enjoy it. So he was the nephew of Christopher Lloyd. Looking on Wikipedia. Interesting. Sam Lloyd, of course, yeah. Anyone else been watching any tele? Yeah, I've been watching some telly. I just earlier today finished uh, season eight of The Simpsons, um, which I mentioned briefly there last week. Uh, really great. Um, you know, I mentioned last week, you know, and not quite on the level of like, you know, six or seven, but still really, really good. Other than like, you know, Bart After Dark and some other stuff that I thought just didn't quite hit as hard. I still thought it was of a very, very high standard. And one thing I, I, I like about these seasons, like even, even seven as well, is that there is a lot of episodes that are about secondary characters. Like, I forgot, there's, like, of course, the, the Reverend Lovejoy episode in, in, in Season 8 where Marriage becomes mm. the Listen Lady. And it's like, that would kind of be, in the later seasons, that would kind of be the hallmark of, what oh, this is going to be some trash. This is going to be some... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the amount of mo shite in the later seasons is just absolutely unbearable. Um but you know, like the the Mo and Homer with the boxing and and the love jobs, they're like they're still really really good, and and they actually do some interesting stuff with those characters, which I appreciate. So I was still overall big big thumbs up on that, and I started season nine today, which got off to a good start. I mean, Homer versus New York, that's um, I think that's a classic, um, and obviously then you have the principal and the pauper, which is the big uh, you know the big sticking point for a lot of people. I still think that's an all right kind of episode on its own. Um, you know, I think people have uh, grievances with it in terms of what it kind of means for the Simpsons um, and all that, but and that's fair enough. But I, I think as a standalone episode, it's all right. And um, you've got Lisa Simpson, you got Lisa's sax that episode where she gets her saxophone. You've got the the Homer coaching the football team. I mean, this is all good stuff. This is all really, really good stuff in the early going. So I'm in, I'm enjoying that. Go on. There is one season nine episode which I think I've only ever seen once. Is the the Cartridge Family, which I don't think aired on TV over here. It's the one where Homer gets the gun. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, ju- I just watched that one. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I've only seen that episode once. It's great. I remember that being banned from Sky TV for was was 
that the case? Was it not yeah. shown? Yeah, 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 originally it was not shown. They've probably shown it since, but yeah. Yeah, I'd say they probably have, yeah. Because, well, I suppose, hmm, I don't know. It's so hard to tell what, you know, certain channels and bodies will, will find bothersome. But yeah, I can see I can see that episode being a sticking point. But again, you know, that's a that's a good one. Um, uh, just, well, actually, one, one season eight episode I thought was actually pretty, probably the weakest one of the whole season that I, I didn't find myself chuckling at too much. The uh, spin-off showcase... Right. Uh, yeah, with Wiggum and the, like the 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 Simpsons Smile Time Variety Hour. Like, I feel like I feel like that was quite biting, but it's now parodying a show that doesn't really kind of exist anymore. Um, like that style of variety show just isn't really a, a thing. Um, so that one was a bit of a blech. yeah. I just kind of sat through that one. Um, Obviously, Homer's enemy. I mean, that's you know tremendous. Um, I think that only gets better with time. So yeah, still still enjoying the Simpsons thoroughly. I'm kind of surprised how 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 far I've made it, but we'll see how the rest of season nine goes. Um, other than that, I don't think I've been watching too much. I've got some stuff lined up to watch um, uh, that I'm curious about. Uh, uh, that's a normal people show based on the book of the uh. same name. Which I've heard is excellent, and I I know my, my missus liked it, and she loves the book as well. So I got that lined up to watch. And also, um, uh, I sought out uh, uh, in the uh, the high seas of the internet uh, the full season of Gangs of London. Why? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, do your fucking edit, mate. Oh, I cover. Um, I've heard that's quite good. I've heard good things about that. Uh, that's a, I think that's a Sky original. Like they put it out for, in full, did they? Is that like, uh, yeah, they did a Netflix style thing? Yeah, so you can watch that online. So yeah, I'll give that a look. Apparently, it's very good. So those are the next two things I want to watch. Um, and obviously, yeah, I'm watching the, the Last Dance. Uh, the Pippin and Rodman episodes are great. They're both great. Um, uh, it's just, it's excellent. It's just an excellent, excellent show. Um, yeah. It's funny because being outside of the US. I think Michael Jordan is really the only basketball star who's truly crossed over to like stardom this side of the Atlantic as well. Obviously, people know about LeBron and yeah, uh, Kobe who passed away there recently. But uh, like, even as a kid, I had no interest in basketball whatsoever. But I knew who Michael Jordan was even before Space Jam, and I think I even bought a few like packets of collectible basketball cards yeah just because i knew who michael jordan was i didn't know any of the players were any of the teams um yeah i think more so than anyone else he's he's been the biggest crossover star that i've been aware of anyway so i need to check that out and watch a little bit of that as well yeah and yeah that's the the telegraph for the week um, playing a bit more video games this week. Uh, I finally I checked some stuff off the list. I finished uh, Jedi Fallen Order, the Star Wars game mm-hmm. from last year. That uh, the final act of that story is really good. I thought that was a very interesting and satisfying conclusion, um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And also the like second half of that game. When you've got all your abilities and your it's that's just great. It just feels great. Uh, it's like for a game that's so like challenging and stuff like that for the first half. I feel like once you really get going with it, it's like a really tremendous kind of uh, uh, 
Jedi kind of power fantasy. It's great. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, so that was a uh, good stuff. My my only reservation was that it did it, it ran like poop on the PS4. I mean, it was just not a very good uh, performing game. I didn't have so many problems with it. I think I played that before I got my Pro. Yeah. I think I played that on my launch PS4. Mm. So I didn't have so many problems um, with it. But uh, yeah, so I finished that. That was a that was a big one from last year. I wanted to get checked off the list. Still playing away on uh, Outer Wilds, which I talked about last week. Kind of hitting a bit of a wall with it. I I I I'm probably going to stick it out because I do think it's very interesting and very well done. But it's a uh, you know I mentioned last week it's kind of like an exploration puzzle focused game, and and uh, it has that whole time loop where you where you're kind of you'll run out of time and you'll restart your run and that's fine. But you can also kind of um, there's not a lot of combat or there's not a lot of ways you can die, but you can die. There's like, it's not combat, but there's like, uh, there's like platforming sections where you can die if you, if you mess up and it's kind of frustrating to, to, if you get the information, how to navigate a certain puzzle, you navigate your way through it and then you die on something that seems kind of trivial. And then you have to restart the whole process over kind of adds a little bit of backtracking to a game that already has quite a lot. So it's kind of, so if I'm sitting, if I'm sitting down, I'm like, all right, let's make a bit of progress on this today. And if you a couple of awkward deaths in a row, and you're just like, oh, okay, uh, I have to go because when you die, you have to go all the way back to your home planet. You have to launch your first ship. You have to say, okay, what planet was I on? Okay, and how do I get to where I want to be on that planet? Oh, I have to open this door. I have to go this way. Oh, I have to look this direction. Like it's 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 going for some really clever stuff, but in the process, it's kind of made itself a little bit finicky. So I think I, I put that down there for a while. I might come back to it eventually. Right, because I have earmarked that for one of my my next two games I'm going to play. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> just, it's, it's, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's very, um, hmm, there's, so, there's a particular uh, uh, planet you want to go to, right? And this, uh, uh, it's um, the, the, it's got a cave underneath it with all these secrets. The whole game, you're trying to find secrets, you're trying to find information about this this society. And the caves underneath this this planet, they fill with sand. So so after like about fifteen or twenty minutes of a run, they're basically inaccessible. So the, right. the, so you go there once, and maybe you get there halfway through a run. You're like, oh, this is like half full. I can't really do anything. But you know, okay, next time I restart my run, I go straight there, and I. I get there before it fills up and it's a nice little novelty, but it's also involves like navigating down into these like um, very dark caves with some very limited clues on how to navigate in there. And it's like, okay, right. like this is kind of confusing. And also there's some, some hazards I can die on and stuff like that. And it just, it, it, it's like, I, like I said last week, it's kind of like a walking simulator simulator, but there's also, there is also some platforming and some ways you can die. And if I'm playing like, you know, uh, what remains of Edith Finch? I don't want something in it that I can die on and disrupt my flow of figuring out the story. Do you know what I mean? Like, if, oh, if you're, you're reminded me of that game, I love that game. I, I, I love that game as well. <laughs> and the thing is, like, like Outer Wilds is a lot more than a, a, a walking simulator. It has so many other elements, and but ultimately, to me, it's about uh, unraveling a mystery. And there's kind of too many things I keep getting hung up on where I'm just like, ugh. I just want to. I just want to figure this out. But I, I'm not. I'm not giving up on it. But it's just. It's a. It's a. I'm finding it a bit finicky. But I think. I think you know. Other people might not. Um, after that, I. Uh, I finally today for the first time ever in our, our month and a half with Animal Crossing, I got up in time to buy a turnip. 
I didn't today. Um, so I, I, I am now the, the proud owner of 16 turnips. Um, so, so I'll be watching the, the prices of those like a hawk during the week. Um, getting uh, ca- let me tell let me tell you, Barry. I I forgot to get the turnip today. Okay, but I have seven million in the bank, so it's all right. <laughs> seven million. Where do you even put them? Um. Well, when there's turnips, right? Last week, say last week's turnips. I would have spent about four hundred thousand bells on turnips. Right. And then, um, because Natty is part of a Animal Crossing syndicate community, <laughs> an Animal Crossing uh, hit squad, yeah, um, the mafia basically, uh, someone will be like, "Oh, turnips are five hundred in my island," and everyone just fucking myself included shoots over and makes loads of money. So yeah. Um, I'm still. I've passed eighty hours on Animal Crossing now, and uh, I love the start of every month. There's new fish. There's new bugs. Uh, wasn't so happy about the art though. Obviously, they introduced art as part of the museum. But the thing with buying the art is that sometimes it can be like fake, and then lathers won't accept it. I'm like, Ugh, what a fucking waste of time. Because uh, you already can't get it one every day. Apparently, there are ways that you can like look up to see which one is real. Where's the fun in that? I really can't be arsed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm starting to uh, to run out of things to do in Animal Crossing because my house is maxed out. I can't build any more bridges. They won't let me. Yeah. I, I think I can still build an incline or two. But now it's just like going on in the morning. I, I need like four more fossils. So digging my fossils, checking them, uh, getting the bugs and fish for the new month. But once I have all that done... I'm basically not going to play it until June. Um, that's kind of the game it is, anyway. I wish there was there were more cool little items to get in terms of like almost more Smash Brosy like little uh, Mario costume or little Zelda yeah. statuette. Or, yeah, because there used to be things like that in the previous games, and this one there aren't. Well, in the old game, you could play NES games. You could play Zelda and Mario yeah. <laughs> in their entireties. I'm yeah, I because yeah. like I'm like you were saying there, but I'm not even doing the thing where like oh it's May, I have to go catch all the new May animals. I'm like, yeah, I can't remember the last time I fished. I mean, I really can't. It's just like yeah, yeah I I yeah, it's kind of gotten to the point now where like the initial appeal for me was that progress was slow, but also I was being introduced to new mechanics basically every other day. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah. I'm learning. Now it's like, okay, now I know everything. And now, okay, I just have the kind of slow mechanical kind of wake up, uh, get your fossils, cash them in, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and I'm kind of like, okay, I now know the game well enough and I've put 30 odd, maybe even 40 hours into it. I'm kind of feeling like a sense of rush. Like, oh, okay, I, just want to, I want to be able to just customize my island and just make it look the way I want it to look. And I don't mind doing a bit, yeah. a bit of work to get the money, but the fact that you're... Like, there's still mechanics that I have not had rolled out to me, and I, I don't know if I can be arsed kind of upgrading the island to get the concert. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know if I can sure. really be bothered with that. Um, now, I'm stuck I mean, in even so... Yeah, even so, you've got 30, 40 hours out of the game. Absolutely, yeah. And I don't regret that at all, yeah. 
Um, so, so that was uh, uh, so that's still, still, still checking it every day, of course. So there's, there's still that. And uh, last night, for the first time ever, just because it was something to do, just a, a game to play with pals, and it's on Game Pass. Uh, I played Sea of Thieves. Um, right for the for the first time. Sea of Thieves is the rare developed um, uh, Xbox game uh, pirate game where it's uh, all kind of multiplayer focused. And it was good crack for an evening of fun. I can I can see how if you're someone who likes Rare as a studio and has played lots of their games and you wanted you could you couldn't wait until the next time they made a, a major release and then this was it. I can see how that would be disappointing. Especially as I, I was playing with friends. It seems like it would be nigh on unplayable and no fun at all on your own. Um right. uh, and absolutely not something I would want to do in matchmaking with strangers. I mean, not even, not even, wouldn't even attempt it. Um, but yeah, seems all right. Um, uh, you know, you've got there's lots of fun little cutesy rare things in there. The the dances, the the gestures, the the it looks gorgeous. It's a really good looking game. And uh, yeah, when you're when you're steering your ship, it's a case of like you know one person has to man the wheel, another person's raising the sails or dropping the anchor or manning the cannons. You know, you have to genuinely communicate. It's fun, and again, it's one of those things where uh, the the fact that all the uh, you know Microsoft published stuff is available on Game Pass is a is a real incentive. I I, I probably would never have bought this. You know. Um, so uh, yeah, I, we we might jump into that every now and then. It's just a, it's a nice thing to play kind of casually with pals. So uh, yeah, it's a thumbs up there if you've got something you're looking to play for. If you're looking for something to play with uh, with your buddies, but uh, yeah, and that's my uh, that's my games this week. Well, I was inspired. Not only was I inspired to watch Inside Number Nine by Joe Towner, <laughs> I also bought a little football manager sim this week. Football Manager 20 uh, Touch Edition. The exact same one. But I've got it on my iPad. So I'm going like full touch with it. Um, loving it. I'm, I'm three seasons in now. Well, I'm on my third season with uh, Man United. Not quite as successful as Joe has been, <laughs> I think. Uh, I think in both my first two seasons, I came sixth in the league. Wow. But first season, I did win the FA Cup and the Europa League. Oh, that was pretty good. Which I'm happy with. Um, and then in my second season, it started off pretty poorly. Like I, I bought some players. I bought um, Dean from Everton at left back, who's like an assist magnet. Uh, I bought Deo Lefeu on the right wing because United's right wing is a little bit weak. He turned out to be a bit of a bomb, unfortunately. Uh, who else? Yeah, and then I bought uh, Edward from Celtic, the centre forward. And I, I, I stuck him and Martial up front mm-hmm. because I got a comment like, Paul Griffin is struggling at Manchester United and people are saying his reluctance to change his formation is one of his weak spots. I was like, alright. Because I'd been playing 4-2-3-1 was my like default. And I was like, right, well, fuck is I'm going 4-4-2. And went 4-4-2. Um, won like 11 games in a row. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, well, this is how bad my season was going, right? I bought Edward in the January transfer window, right? 
And by 5th of February, he was my top scorer for the season. <laughs> um, and what was funny then was, in between the second and third seasons, I bought a young striker called Fabio Silva. And I bought uh, Haaland from Borussia Dortmund. And now my like previous season's striker partnership of Martial and Edward just don't ever play, don't ever score. Haaland, I'm I'm where I am now is about the same same stage of the season. I'm in like just coming into February of the third season. Haaland's got like 22 goals in the Premier League already. Um, just a powerhouse team. I'm second in the league currently behind Liverpool, who, like Joe said, like win ridiculous, every game ridiculous. and are just impossible to catch. Um, City are wobbling a bit more. I think City mm-hmm. don't have Aguero anymore. I think they still have De Bruyne. Mm-hmm. Um, who else did I sign? Obviously, now I'm in my third season. I bought some other players as well. I got... Um, who did I get? I got rid of all the shite, obviously. Lingard's gone. Jones is gone. Yeah, Smalling, yeah. I think, is gone. Um, I still have Wan-Bissaka, De Gea, mm-hmm. Maguire, Pogba... Martial, Rashford, Fernandez. I got Dembele from Barcelona for the right wing because Dale Feo wasn't working out. So I got a good little squad now. I think all my strikers are fairly young, which is good. It means they'll just improve. And um, I tried to sign the guy uh, Martinez from Inter Milan. Right. And he was like, I'm not interested. I was like, oh. That's why I went for Haaland instead. Hey? Yeah, yeah, he's a centre forward. Yeah, I think Liverpool signed him in my game. And he's... Uh, yeah, make them even better. How are you getting on in years anyway? Um, pretty good. I'm into season eight, so I've completed. Wow! <laughs> I, I dread to think how many hours I've put in. I've I haven't looked on Steam, but it must okay. be a couple. Of, oh god, 150 hours or something in the last few weeks. Uh, so I just play it nonstop. Um, yes, into season eight. I've won the league a couple more times. Europe, not so good. Um, okay. I really, I just, I struggle in the big games. I think it's the kind of lack of tactical uh, knowledge, or maybe just I'm too lazy to kind of look at the opposition and adjust my tactics to yeah. try and beat them. So I end up, I always seem to lose the big games, uh, which obviously in Europe means you're, you're kind of out. Uh, whereas in the league, I, I'm pretty consistent at beating all of the, the shit teams. So I end up, you know, doing quite well in the league. But yeah, I think I need to. I keep playing around with my tactics and then end up losing. And then I could just go back to 4 2 3 1. Controlled possession, yeah. 4, four two, three, one. That's my kind of default. That's um, yeah. what I always go back to. Well, I do wing play with the yeah. 4 4 2. Yeah, I like a bit of wing play. Occasionally, I like to spring that upon my opponents, go, oh, bit of wing play. Um, <laughs> Dembele is great for just running the pitch with the ball, by the way. He'll yeah. pick it up like at the edge of his own penalty box and just run the entire pitch. Yeah, but he always gets injured. He's always injured. Well, what I really want is like 1999 Man United, whatever their tactics were, whatever Ferguson's yeah. tactics were. Basically, bit of... <laughs> he was a big wing playboy. Yeah, wing play, bit of possession, but mainly kind of blood and guts, bit, like blood bit and of steel blood. in the middle. Storming forward and scoring loads of goals. <laughs> That's my t- <laughs> tactics I want to use, but I'm not quite sure how to get there. Right. If I was a manager, I too would also just score loads of goals. Yeah. That's, yeah. Mm. And then not concede too many. 
That's see now that now we're talking. Now we're talking my language. Uh, I I still get the odd thing where I like win a really tough game three one. Say I beat Man City three one away, and then the next game will be you know Leeds United at home. And I'll play my strongest team, and within 15 minutes, they're 3-0 up. And I'm like, how is this happening? Um, I did come, in the second season, I got to the semi-finals of the Champions League. But with, like, an obscenely easy, like, route to get there. I think I had, like, Arsenal in the quarters. Uh, And then I had Juventus, but they're not called Juventus in it. They're called, like, Zebra. Yeah. Uh, they beat me like 7-1 on aggregate. <laughs> I was like, okay, not that good yet. Um, I'm doing well in the third season, but I'm, I'm only in the Europa League. Uh, so I, what I have is, I whenever every Europa League game, I do rotated squad, and I play the geeks, and they win anyway, because the Europa League is, is, is just weak enough that I can get by. Um, but yeah, it's great. So uh, the touch screen controls work better than I thought they would. Mm. Um, the only difficulty I have sometimes is like scrolling through stuff. Like if I'm trying to make a substitution, trying to scroll through my subs, and sometimes instead of scroll, it'll select the person and move them. I'll suddenly have Daniel James at centre-back. And like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. I have um, a good like loan, loan out policy where I have like James is on loan at Burnley. And I have Mason Greenwood on loan at Roma, and he's oh, like yeah. worth—he's worth like fifty mil now and scores every game for Roma. <laughs> yeah, it's great. That is the funny thing as well as the transfers. Like minimum amount for a good player now is like forty million pounds. <laughs> yeah, you can't buy anyone for less than like astronomical prices, which is hilarious because I used to buy people for like three million quid when I first started the game. <laughs> well, I like when there's a young player and has their value is like. 13 mil you yeah. go okay i'll pick up a young player that and you go you go and suggest okay i'll be even a little, a little more generous like i'll go 15 mil and like a further 15 million after yeah. 40 appearances whatever and they're like uh we would like 128 million and you say well <laughs> he's only worth 12 mil oh my god um i got a really good deal on uh edward when i bought him it was like 17 million or something. Like you say, early on, you get like real good deals on players. I think Haaland, I had 95 million oh, yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he is obscenely good. He scores almost every game. Yeah, he's great. Um, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Um, I, I do like the tablet version because the laptop that we have is, is getting on a bit and would, it wouldn't struggle to run it, but it would just like overheat really badly. Mm-hmm. And it's nice because I can. You know, take it downstairs with me and play it during my dinner, and yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of it. So it's great. Uh, also, still playing uh, Wind Waker HD. Yes, the yeah. Zelda game. Coming to the end of that now. Hmm. Um, I've I've been all the dungeons. I'm at the end of the game now, where you have to collect all the Triforce bits, which in the original game was uh, a pain in the ass because I think you had to spend three and a half thousand rupees to get like charts deciphered or something and this one it's made a lot easier because it was it was like infamous as a an annoying part of the game right at the end so i'm probably within two hours of beating the game uh 100 i already have all of the charts all of the pieces of heart 
literally all I've left to do is beat the game. I have two figurines left to get because there's a little figurine collectible thing where you, kind of like in Breath of the Wild, you take pictures of everything in the game. And then there's a character who makes like little figurines and he can go in like a little museum. Uh, I have two things left to get, which are both kind of towards the end. And uh, it's great because there's like missable ones as well. So I had like a little spreadsheet of like things to check off as I was going through the various dungeons. I'm like, oh, the mini boss in this dungeon is only appears here. So I have to get a photograph while he's kicking my ass. Um, really, really enjoying Wind Waker. I made a little in my head, a little ranking of the four games I've played from best to worst. And I think I'd have Majora's Mask at fourth. Because Majora's Mask, as I played it, is is like... It was only developed in, in the year after after Ocarina. It does feel very small. Um, compared to the other three, which are like vast, explorable uh, like hub worlds, Majora's Mask doesn't really have that. Mm-hmm. It's a shame. Even though I love the time travel stuff, and I love the... Uh, um, the reliance on like subquests. It's more of like a side quest game, which I really enjoy. But I I really enjoy more from the other three games the feeling of exploration that like Breath of the Wild pushes a bit more. Uh, Wind Waker definitely has that. Uh, Ocarina of Time definitely has that, and Twilight Princess definitely has that. Majora's Mask doesn't, which I and and it's too short, which is kind of where I fall on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wind Waker, I would have at number three. Because while it's, the exploration is great, the dungeons are a little bit bland in it. Um, and you do spend a lot of time sailing around. You don't, you don't unlock the ability to fast travel until after halfway through the game. So it, sometimes it feels a little bit like filler. And like I said, the dungeons are a little, a little bit bland and the bosses are a little bit too easy. Yeah. Uh, I would have then Ocarina of Time, which I think is like the quintessential Zelda game. Mm-hmm. But is showing its age now as well. The text moves inter- interminably slow, and aiming is horrendous in it. But has a great story, probably the best dungeon design of any of the games, best music as well, and kind of took what Link to the Past set up and and improved on that in every aspect. Uh, and then my favorite one is Twilight Princess, which might be a surprise for people, but I because it was the first one I played in in recent memory. I just think it kind of does everything. The best. The dungeons are excellent. The exploration is excellent. It has a huge like Hyrule field, but there's stuff in it to discover, and and it rewards exploration, which other games like Hyrule Field in Ocarina of Time is fairly empty. There's nothing really there. Uh, I think the story is excellent, and I think the gameplay is excellent. So that's my number one. But um, I'm gonna finish Wind Waker, as I said. I have two games then in the pipeline before I go on to replay Breath of the Wild, which are Outer Wilds as recommended by Barry. And uh, I want to play a game I got on Switch called Kentucky Route Zero. Oh, I also got that. Yeah, so I'm sure we'll have a discussion about that very soon. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So that's what I've been playing. Sounds good. Uh, We can move from there into the movie golf. Paul, you left us on tenter hooks about Paddington last week. You... Well, be on tenterhooks no longer because I've watched the sequel Paddington oh, Two, wow. which I enjoyed a lot. I don't think it's quite as good as the first. Oh, one. you fucking! <laughs> don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I I think Joe last week said it was like a Toy Story One, Toy Story Two. 
I would say it's for me is closer, and I don't mean this badly at all, but I think it's closer to a Toy Story one, a Toy Story one, Toy Story four. Oh! <laughs> Let me explain. Fuck off! So, I thought you were going to say Finding Nemo to Finding Dory, and that would have been bad <laughs> no, because Finding Dory was a completely unnecessary sequel that didn't add anything to the first one, which is not true of Paddington Two. Um. I think Paddington 1 is just a bit more quick with the jokes and is a, a bit more funny. Like, Hugh Bonneville, I think, in the second one doesn't have quite as much to do. In fact, the whole family are kind of pushed to the side a little bit in the second one, especially the kids who are, like, their entire characters are reduced to, like, a single joke. Um, and instead, you get the, the, the prison um, inmates who... Are, are quite funny, especially um, Gleason, who's like really great in it. But after like half an hour, I was thinking to myself, okay, this needs to quicken up a little bit with the comedy. I found the start of it particularly slow. And it does get into that rhythm, and it does get very funny. Uh, I particularly like Simon Farnaby's character, where he continues as uh, like the security guard who finds men dressed as women sexy. Which is like my favorite little through line from the two films. Hugh Grant obviously has a like a great time playing the character. The, the character he is, he's great as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think what might play into it is I watched the first one, having not only obviously I had expectations that it was going to be good, but I I didn't really know what kind of film it was going to be, and so I was kind of surprised by it. And then watching the second one, I went in expecting the comedy from the first one. And it's not really that. It's a little bit different. Um, so I wouldn't say I was disappointed by it. I mean, it's like, to me, we're, we're talking like an eight, an 8 or a 9 out of 10 and a 7 out of 10. It's, it's, it's not going from like an 8 to a 5. You know, it's, it's not that kind of gulf. But I do think the first one had a stronger story and was funnier. Ultimately. Hmm. Um, hmm. Apparently, Paul King, the director, if they do a third one, has like no interest to do it. Oh. And my fear is that if they make a third Paddington, it will just descend into Peter Rabbit's style. Like, garbage. <laughs> Damn, take, that Peter, take that, Peter Rabbit. Paddington twerking to an Ariana Grande song. <laughs> oh, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Okay. Interesting, interesting. But those first two movies were definitely very good. And I'm happy I finally got around to watching them. Oh, because they're, do they're, you like it when I pop it like that? <laughs> um, you can listen to Lady, Lady Marmalade. There you go. Um, <laughs> I listened to it. I was talking to it a second ago. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm happy I got around to watch them finally because they're they're both like super wholesome movies, but very very funny, like weirdly funny as I said last week. Um, and Hugh Bonneville is just a comedic treasure, and whenever he's in the second one, he's like the best thing in the film. I wish there was a bit more of him in the second one, but when he's in it, he's fantastic, and especially in the first one, he's like such a joy. And I was like, where was this guy before? Like I had never heard of him before he was in the first Paddington. Apparently he's in like Downton Abbey or something. Mm, mm. He needs to be in more of these like British comedies because that's he's perfectly suited to it. Um, yeah, it was great. It was very, very good. 
Um, I don't know, Barry, have you seen these Paddington movies? I, I have job, seen the first one. I really, really loved it. Okay, good. Yeah, I, yep. haven't, I haven't seen the second one. I probably will. I'll give it a thumbs up. Like, so Don't get me wrong. Okay. But um, I would say the first half hour, if, that, if the first half hour was a little bit quicker and a little bit funnier, that it would be more kind of on par with the first one. But they're both very good. All right. Uh, I've only watched Space Jam this week. Um, How does that hold up? Not very well. Um, no, I, I, I fear that that would be something that I would watch again and it would just be garbage. Uh, it's not garbage, but like... Like, the Bill Murray stuff is like so pointless and they kind of make a joke of how pointless it is and how... It's really weird. I remember, I remember as a kid having no fucking clue who this guy was. Um, who the movie obviously expected me to know who he was. Um, so that's really weird. But other than that, I mean, it's just it's one of those movies, and I think we've talked about this on the show a lot, about how it's not a Pixar-style thing where it's for everyone. It's like, no, this is a, a, a movie for babies. You know? Um, <laughs> okay. And there's there's a handful of bits in there that you'll get a chuckle out of if you're an adult. Um, I still admire the 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 very of the era meshing of real life and animation. I think some of the animated stuff obviously doesn't look as good. It's kind of like when you go back and watch Toy Story and stuff and you realize that actually we've come sure. a long way. But I still think conceptually it's really cool. And there's some stuff like when, when Bugs and Daffy are in the real world and they're tunneling under Michael Jordan's house and they've got the actual, they've got the grass, the actual grass shooting up into the air as they walk along. Like that actually still looks great. Um, so it is enjoyable enough. It's a, it's like an hour and 20 minutes. It's not very long. Um, it's it's enjoyable, but it's not any kind of great movie. Um, right. So, uh, yeah, it's all right. It is all right. Um, yeah, that was my, my only movie this week. There you go. A couple of kids' movies this week. That's what we watched this show. Yeah. But now we're going to talk about some man shit. We're going to talk about wrestling. Yeah. Who watched some wrestling this week? We all did. We all watched Dynamite these days. Yeah. A good one again this week. Yes. Yeah, thankfully. I, it had been dragging on me a little bit, but I thought this week's was uh, was very, very good. Well, what did you enjoy the most? I actually thought Lance Archer versus Go- uh, say Goldust, uh, Dustin Rhodes was really, really, really entertaining. And I thought it was a nice peaking of what they've done with Archer so far. I think they've gotten it I think they've gotten it spot on with him every step of the way so far. And uh this this latest chapter was perfect. He was just competitive enough with Dustin before putting him down. Uh, and I thought all the stuff with the blood and the and the towel at the end was just excellent. I mean he was competitive to to the extent that like it was a fairly long match. Hmm. What my takeaway from it is that it wasn't so much competitive as Dustin Rhodes was like the the old dog who kept coming back, but ultimately Lance Archer beat the shite out of him. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so he came off looking really well, and Dustin came off looking well. So it was one of those like perfectly organized matches. Um, Archer looked great. He did his top rope uh, walk into the moonsault, which was great. Hmm. Um, finished with the claw as well, which was... Uh, First time he's used that in AEW. I was wondering whether they were going to have him do the claw because I think this side of uh, <laughs> this side of Japan, which is 
the other side. Um, I guess the claw is a bit more of a hokey, old-style move that you don't see used as much these days. Yeah. Kind of like the old shoulder nerve hold. But in this one, it was kind of like he was beating Dustin's head into the ground, and then he just kind of he just kind of had the claw on while he was doing the pin. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas, yeah. whereas in New Japan, it was like he was like winning with the claw. You know, yeah. the big tall, the big tall American with the claw. You know. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. It was very good. Um. So yeah, I enjoyed that. I thought Cody and Darby was good again, as it always is. Um. Yeah, for the third time, they had a really great match. Yeah, when when Darby eventually beats him, it's going to be great. I, I I have no problem with Cody, you know, winning every step of the way so far. Um, I the finish was weird. I've gone back and watched it a couple of times. It was like Cody takes the 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 coffin drop, and then when Darby is going to pin him, I initially thought what he was doing was he was crucifixing Darby. Um, and turning it, but basically when I when I watched it back, it was like Darby. I had the leg hooked and Cody just ever so slightly kind of shifted his weight so that his shoulders were up, but Darby's were down. So like, it wasn't even like he was doing a move. It was like, he just shifted the weight of the pin and Darby didn't even realize. Does that, did that make sense? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, that, that was my impression as well. Because I watched it and I was like, was that supposed to be a crucifix and Cody didn't get it right and he messed it up and because I thought it looked shit the first time I watched it and then I watched it back and I was like I watched it a couple I watched just the finish a couple of times and I was like oh that's actually very clever but I feel like the commentators dropped the ball a little bit by not pointing out uh, that that was what was happening because I because to me it looked like Cody was trying to do some version of roll up but he was hurt and he couldn't do it and I thought it looked silly. Um, Next week we need a we need a Taz doing the breakdown here. All right, now we now we see what happens here is Darby comes off the top rope and then Cody just expertly shifts his weight and that's what we let me zoom in here. Let me zoom in here. See Darby's shoulders down. What a fucking bizarre, you know. Um. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is that? Give me kill, JB. I love the Taz videos where he breaks down the moves. Yeah. Um, oh my God! Look at how he got there. Choke slam there. Ooh. Great. Uh, what else was there? And the rest of the show was fine. Uh, we got more bubble bunch, and we got uh, we got the, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah, I liked the 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 stuntman parody video thing they they did. Uh, a couple of cameos that were cute. Um, Your man from Slipknot was in it. Uh, Lou Ferrigno was Fort in it. <laughs> Uh, I like the Brody Lee Marco stunt match where Marco stunt jumped jumped off the the turnbuckle and got caught in like the best looking black hole slam I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh my god! Yes, so I had to rewind that. I was like, "What the hell happened there?" Um, is anyone else just skipping these Scorpio Sky uh, little videos? They're what? Doing? No, no, they're great. What's wrong with you? I, I don't really. I'm not a huge SCU, SCU fan. But it's, yeah, it's only like three minutes and he's just like, he's just talking matter of factly about it, you know. Oh, let me go back and rewatch it, so. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, Wardlow continues to look good. I love that knee to the face he does. Interesting that they didn't show a replay of it, though. 
Yeah, that was weird, but it's cool. Yeah, I, I think it like he killed that guy with it. Yeah, maybe he actually did. Hopefully, he's hopefully he isn't just killing people with it. But um, it looks great. Um, we got a uh, uh, Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc against best friends in a street fight. I mean, it was fun by the end of it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I've kind of enjoyed yeah. Jimmy Havoc more in this feud than I have basically in a, in a long time. Um, funnily enough, I'm coming around and you know I go up and down. And sometimes Havoc's great, sometimes he's not. Um, uh, I I think Kip Sabian's rubbish. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I don't go up and down on Sabian. I'm just down on him. Yeah, no, he's just bad. He's so boring. Yeah, and like he has, you know, I I kind of think this tag team is the best uh, way to use him. Just stick him in there with Havoc. Have him be lower card heels. You know, you're giving Sabian all the help you can with the tag team, and he's got the 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 manager. Like, I think she has more prospects. Oh yeah, than him. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, so ugh, ugh, I don't know. I, I've I've kind of had my fill of seeing him on a weekly basis. Um, now uh, next week, Dynamite is back to. They're doing a live show and then a tape show, so they're basically doing the exact WWE schedule. They're doing live tape and then in two weeks they'll do live and then they'll tape another one um and they're gonna and they're, for next week they're advertising a bigger crew as well so they're gonna obviously being in florida they're gonna have a, a access to more of their guys i guess yeah we had sean spears sean spears and kip sabian back-to-back matches oh, oh my god christ keep them on dark please um i like the Britt baker video She's oh funny yes now that was again that was like legitimately funny not just like wrestling funny um, yeah. God, she's great. She's really great. I now that's something I could do with more of is just I, more skits in her in her office. Which I hope that just for the purpose of this vignette, they, did they put pictures of her in her wrestling gear all over the all over the dentist office? Well, they seem to just be like blue tacked up. To be fair. Yeah, yeah. She's tremendous. She really, really is. Um, so that was great. Um, yeah, and uh, next week they've got. Moxley versus Kazarian and Lesex Gods, Jericho and Sammy Guevara versus Matt Hardy and Kenny Omega. Omega. In a yeah. street fight. That should be good fun. Yeah. Um, I wonder they teased weeks ago doing Jericho and Matt Hardy in a in a Matt Hardy house match. Um Well they referenced that last week, not this week, when Matt Hardy did his little thing. Yeah, I assume that's still coming. Everything's very up in the air now, because, of course, they haven't done Blood and Guts yet either, and I don't think we'll see Blood and Guts this year at this stage, because I don't think we're getting regular wrestling shows this year. No. Um, so I don't think they're going to do it in front of no fans and just bleed all over each other in an empty arena. Um, Unless they somehow do it in a different format, or I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. it seems like they're going to just have to like drop that ultimately and come back to it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, AEW getting in on the old, uh, getting in on the old uh, open season in Florida uh, next week, which yeah. is uh, a bit frustrating. But well, my dad is watching horse racing from Tampa every day for his horse racing fix. Horse racing, wow! Oh, oh and let me tell you, it's on whatever that channel is, Sky, like at the races or whatever Sky Sports. <laughs> oh yeah, racing channel, and they just have this one lad on commentary who sounds like Ray Winston and he's just reading off messages from people going this person wants me to say uh, 
allowed to whoever. I'm not fucking doing that. <laughs> it's like the grumpiest arsehole they have on it. Oh, it's so weird. Crazy. Because then when the races happen, it cuts to like the US commentators. Oh, it's this horse out here. And then it cuts back to this grumpy Ray Winston again. <laughs> fucking cunt. It's odd. It's the oddest thing. Yeah. I, w- I wonder what uh, what people will make of empty arena sport, like non-wrestling people, when it's back. Well, the, we had one Man United empty arena game before it shut down. Like the last game they played mm. in the Europa League. And that was weird. But, you know, I don't know if, if even... It's not so much even the crowds, but the players themselves are like potentially putting themselves at risk. So I don't know what the deal is going to be with that. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I wouldn't have a problem watching empty arena matches if the players were not being coerced into doing it. Yeah. Um, I mean, purely as a, um, a, a viewing spectacle, I don't have a problem there being a crowd or not. But it's certainly weird. Um, and yeah, I mean, I loved with the um, Cheltenham thing, the like the chief of like National Racing Ireland or whatever was like, yeah, maybe that festival shouldn't have gone ahead. But it's easy to say in hindsight. Yeah. Like, no, it was obvious at the time, yeah. idiot. Anyway, uh, I didn't get to watch Dark Side of the Ring yet this week. Ah, oh, it was like one. It was like the best one since the Benoit one. Um, Doctor D, David Schultz, and the uh, slap heard around the world. David Schultz is like the perfect subject for a documentary on this one. I mean, kind of like the New Jack one. This is one you have to watch and just say, "All right, this guy is going to talk some shit. He's going to talk some absolute bollocks." So we're not we're not taking we're not taking him seriously because like he intros himself as Doctor D, David Schultz, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, still to this day. Um, uh, and he's like a, a mad old coot who like has a shotgun and an Uzi in his hand and he looks basically the exact way you'd expect he kind of looks the same just a little smaller and grayer um, but he's a perfect just absolutely insane wrestler um, and the he tells a great insane wrestling tale um, and then he starts talking about you know after the incident how he got into bounty hunting and all this other shit. He is a fascinating wrestling character, and um, you know between this and the Dino Bravo episode, I think there's also some interesting insights into just how WWF operated in its formative years, scooping up all the talent and, and all this other stuff. And, and um, yeah, it's great. It's 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 a really really great one. Um, did you see this one, Joe? Oh, maybe we lost Joe. We've lost Joe for a second. We will, we will get Joe back as soon as we can. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, this week we've got Herb Abrams and the UWF, which will be good. Um, yeah. And that's uh, that's that. Uh, elsewhere in the news, we had some follow-up releases there following the big, uh, the big releases earlier uh, in the month, or in April, rather. Uh, the former Michael McGilligoddy... Uh, what was his fucking name? Curtis Axel. Uh, yeah. He's released. Uh, that's one I sort of expect we'll probably never see again. Um, yeah. Like I don't, I don't anticipate he's got much else uh, in the pipeline. And just a kind of a, a a weird one for history's sake. Kane Velasquez, who I forgot was under contract, 
um, got released. I mean, he had a big fat check. I mean, he was on a lot of money, so it kind of makes sense that they would cut him. But what doesn't make sense is that before all of this happened, he, he was still under contract and um, doing nothing, I guess, for, for his, his four or five million or whatever he's getting. I don't know, ultimately. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, I'm back. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll see if the first uh, 90 minutes of me talking is uh, still available. <laughs> uh, so, the... Um, um, uh, Joe, any takes there on Cain Velasquez? Uh, he was shy. He looked like a big potato. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad he's dead or fired or whatever happened to him. I don't know. Uh, rubbish. That's fair. Um, so, and yeah, I mean, Curtis Axel, I don't think any of us have any. You know, what can you say about Curtis Axel? Mm. You know. Um, so, uh, yeah, elsewhere on the news, SmackDown's ratings were, were pretty poor this week. Uh, they were one of the, you know, SmackDown and uh, and Dynamite had kind of been holding somewhat steady. They were kind of on the low end of their existing uh, spectrum um, uh, lately since the, the whole empty uh, arena um, uh, stuff started. But uh, this week, SmackDown had a, a pretty rough, uh, pretty rough showing on on Friday night, with an average of one point nine one million viewers for Friday night show, and a, and an zero point five in the in the key demo, which is like I think their first time below two million. Not counting, there was that one episode that was on like FS one or something. Um, but beyond that, this was like with their 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 lowest. Um, yeah, I think, I think, it, you know, I don't think anyone doesn't want to watch empty arena wrestling and most people are watching the news, it seems, uh, at the moment. So, uh, so that's that. Yeah. Let me see here. What else we got in the news? Uh, apparently Jimmy Uso is out for six to nine months. I didn't see this. What's, what did that happen? Yeah, he has an injury. Um. Kevin Owens as well, sidelined with an ankle injury. Uh, Jimmy Uso has a knee injury. He's out six to nine months. That sucks. Uh, believed to have been suffered during the triple threat ladder match at WrestleMania. Oh, oh no! Like, oh man! Imagine if it was that um, uh, uh, the bump on the crash pad that they didn't show. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh Maybe. no! Anyway, hopefully, the speedy recovery to him. That that sounds grim. Although you know. At least he can. He doesn't have to be going to these shows and potentially getting sick and all of that stuff. Um, but, you know, I don't I don't imagine that's much consolation to him. But, uh, yeah, that is the wrestling news for this week. And I think that's our show, lads. Yeah. Um, we will be back next week chatting all the usual stuff here. We'll have more telling of Game Guff, uh, maybe moving off if any of us can be bothered. Uh, and we'll chat again about Dynamite and Dark Side of the Ring and whatever else news comes up. A surprisingly quiet news week there after an absolutely mental April. Uh, first week of May, getting off to a, a quieter start. No no more lawsuits that I'm aware of. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, we will be back uh, next week. Until then, it's goodbye from me, Barry Murphy. It's goodbye from Paul Griffin. Goodbye. 
And it's goodbye. Where's Joe Tanner? Goodbye.